welcome to Man Talk, the podcast that's helping to tackle men's mental health and hoping to normalise the conversation. This show, as ever, is produced in support of the charity Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably. If you need their help, please visit their website or call them on their free line number between 5 and midnight on 0800 58 58 58. I'm your host, Jamie Day, and you can find me on Instagram at a day in the life dad, and you can read more about my own experiences with mental health on my blog, adayinthelifedad.com. This week, I met Matt Reed. Matt is a dad and stepdad. He's a digital marketing expert. You might know him on Instagram as FoxheadWatt, and I caught up with him on a sunny spring day in a park in Bristol. in the sunny Bristol. How's it going? Hey man, I am actually really good today. Yeah? I'm enjoying the sunshine. Uh, I think the bank holiday has just set the week off into a really nice vibe. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it really good was. Good weather down here? Beautiful. I literally sat in the park that we're sat in right now with yeah. the family, had a uh, disposable barbecue. Are you allowed disposable barbecues here? <laughs> well, we had one, as did about 100 other people. Right. So, you know, we made sure we put it in the bin at the end. I burnt my fingers yeah. slightly. Yeah. But no, it was wicked, and and yeah, I'm feeling really good, and it's really lovely to meet you and to have this chat today. It's brilliant that men are now in a position where they're talking about mental health and depression, anxiety, etc. You know, with more ease. And as I said to you before we came on, I've only noticed you've only started talking about it recently. Mm. Um, so I wanted to get to why why you started talking about it recently, and why you used Instagram as a forum to do that. You know, because obviously yeah. it's full of people you don't know. Was that a conscious decision and where did, where did that come from for yeah. you suddenly speak up I think I've had a relationship well a, you know a fairly turbulent relationship with my mental health since I was a young teenager I'd say probably like 13 years old when I first really realised it I didn't necessarily deal with it then but I was aware that you were conscious there was something wrong okay and for a long time I I didn't speak up about it not because I didn't feel like I was able to because I didn't even realise that you could Back then, it was you know it was something that was not talked about at yeah. all. Yeah, um, I'm and finding that a lot with the other people I'm talking to. Everyone says you know in their teens or their early twenties, it was just something we could not talk about. Yeah, you know, especially in men. So, and I think also being so young, you don't really know. You're not you're struggling to process your emotions anyway. You're going through puberty. You're going your hormones all over the place. So yeah. there's you don't have a narrative that you can go right. This is how I'm feeling. This is why. This is how I'm dealing with it. You just lose yourself in you know what whatever outlet you can to kind of suppress your your bad feelings and, and I did that for a very long time and obviously as I got older that turned into drinking you know drugs to an extent and all this stuff to suppress these bad feelings yeah, just masking it yeah and um, I could never talk about it I was embarrassed by it it made me feel worse I had real anxiety that started to develop and um, I always felt inadequate in every sense of my life, every right. aspect of my life. To the point where it, it all got too much and I ended up having a big nervous breakdown. And then, you know, that was in that was a couple, like three years ago, right. and still only now I've realized I can start talking about it. And it is totally to do with Instagram, actually. That um, you felt able to talk about it. Yeah, right. because 
it's this really great community of people who are you know generally the world we exist in seems to generally be mums yeah. um, but everyone is really opening and re- uh, really open and really loving and genuinely cares about each other yeah. and I think that made me feel comfortable enough to actually speak up and say I feel a bit shit too. Were you nervous when you put that first post up and started talking about it? And yeah. did you expect a reaction? Did you, I mean, what was the reaction? Well, I, yeah, so I wrote that initial post and I showed it to Mia. Because also Mia is a massive part of why I feel comfortable about talking about it as well is because she's so vocal in the space too. But I showed it to her, first of all. And um, I was like, I don't know. The main thing I was worried about is which images do I use to to uh, illustrate this point? And so Mia helped me find these two images that were on my Instagram already. And um, I just hit the post button. And I didn't really know what the reaction was going to be like. To be honest, I didn't think there was going to be much of a reaction. Right, okay. I just thought, I'm going to say my bit. You've got a good following, so you must have expected it's going to be seen by quite a few eyes. Yeah, I thought it would be seen, and I thought it would get a bit in- of engagement, but I thought because there wasn't a picture of me and one of my kids... What was the picture, by the way? Uh, well, so... There was a picture of me from a few years ago in London, probably at like 2am in a bar, holding a uh, bottle of champagne up to my lips, (laughs) as was pretty much the perfect uh, personification of of my life back then. Uh, and then there was another picture of me. So someone, someone if that, if you hadn't put a caption on that, someone would just assume you were just having a brilliant time. Yeah, exactly. They would have but been there's actually wiser. something going on behind that picture. Yeah, yeah. really, that image would just just illustrated exactly what was wrong with my life, uh, and 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 that was exactly what I was doing to, to suppress it, just get erect. Yeah. And you know, surround myself with people, not even my close friends. I've actually found that I've always distanced myself from the people closest to me, you know, the worse I felt. And I think that's probably fairly common. I've done exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. And I think that when I was when I was in London, I would hang around with people who I didn't really know in any kind of um, intimate level or any depth because there was no real judgment there. You could be a party animal, you could be, you know, slightly just a bit off the rails and you wouldn't they wouldn't really care they just yeah. think you're fun yeah and they've got nothing to base it on you know like a you know years of friendship yeah thinking. yeah exactly yeah. but you know that is a really vicious circle because suddenly you attract more people like that yeah because everyone who's got these issues finds each other at the end of the day and, and you all start getting drunk together and getting smashed all the time and then there's no escape yeah and eventually i ended up having to um well i woke up at six o'clock in the morning ready getting ready for work and i thought i was having um, I was having a heart attack and I called 999 and an ambulance came um, and I got taken to hospital and it turns out I'd basically just had a massive anxiety and yeah. panic attack yeah. which I've found out since then is really really common I was so confused because I was so sure I was like dying and they were like no you've just had a panic attack and I was like how does that even make sense how can you have such a physical reaction to something that is a mental health problem yeah and then suddenly i started to piece it all together and i you know i asked the doctors and it was all to do with um, muscles spasming around your heart and it's yeah. not actually anything to do with your, your heart muscle um but yeah i suddenly realized like i need to make a change um and so i called my mum <laughs> as i do when shit really hits the fan yeah pretty much the only time i do was your mum aware of anything at this point yeah, my mum's been my mum's been aware of my depression since I was a kid. I went to um, I had to go to counselling a few times, right. and I've been to see a therapist whilst I was a teenager. Yeah. So my my mum's always known. She's never known to to the extent of how bad things have got because I've never talked about it. I, I do now, but you know, previously I'd never talked about it. 
And still now I've never had a conversation with my mum. Like I write the things on Instagram and my mum reads them and then she'll send me a message or then she'll call me and make sure I'm okay. And that is the extent of the conversation I have with her. Because again, it's that thing where I'm a bit embarrassed. Yeah. I also don't want my mum to worry about me. And so, but I seems, and it seems like it's working though. You know, you're getting your message out there. You're probably feeling better for putting your message out there. And yeah, your mum knows that you're okay anyway. Yeah. yeah. At the same time. Do you know what? Since I've opened up about it, I felt so much better. Since I've just thought, do you know what? Why? are we hiding this why do we feel like we have to you know be the tough guy be mr macho and just you know act like everything's okay when clearly you know we're all fucked at the end of the day yeah yeah and so suddenly i feel like there's this weight off my chest and the more i write about it the more i think about it and the more i can kind of reason with it and also it hasn't made things better i still have really bad anxiety i still get depressed but I can deal with it, I can recognise it, I can then maybe write about it, or just just think about it, and then realise that it's a problem, it's not me. I am not my anxiety. Anxiety is something that affects me occasionally. I am not my depression. Depression is something that affects me occasionally. I think that anxiety and depression is a bit like the tide. It sweeps in, and it covers you completely, and then it washes away again. And I think that's probably going to be a fairly natural progression throughout my life. And I'm fine with that because I know now that there are people out there who are willing to listen. Mm-hmm. I know that there are other people going through the same struggles. And I know that I can deal with it. And the more I can talk about it and the more you and I and you and you know whoever else can sit down and have conversations like this, the more other men will realise it's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. We can talk about it, we can discuss it, we can be there for each other. Because yeah. that is what's important. That's key, isn't it? Talking about it and getting it off your chest, not suffering in silence. And just telling your mate down the pub or telling your mum or whatever, or telling someone on Instagram. Yeah. So the weight off your shoulders for, for is incredible. For me, the easiest thing to do is to write it on Instagram or to post something on the internet. Because I still, I, I you know, I'm, I'm always going to feel a bit awkward about it because that's part of the problem, right? I, you know, I still wouldn't go and sit down with my best mate and be like, hey man, can we have a chat? I've been feeling really shit recently and um, I could really do with your advice because I'm, I'm still not quite there yet. So the mates that you said that you kind of were a bit distant from, mm. did they see your Instagram post and then react to that? Or have you had reaction since then from your you know, real friends? Um, yeah, I think so. Right. I think I've, I've definitely news had... For, was it news for some of them? No, right, no, so actually, you- one of my friends, um, a girl called Emma, she read my Instagram post. She was someone I hung out with loads in, in London, but she wasn't one of my, like, distant random friends. We had a real good connection. And um, she messaged me after she'd read it, and she was like, Matt, we've all been thinking this for a while, or we've all known this for a long time. I'm really glad that you've, you're able to talk about it now. If you ever want to talk, I'm here. And I was like, shit, yeah, ev- like, this isn't... It- it's not like it's in my head, therefore no one can see it. Like, uh, it is glowing. You know, if you're suffering from anxiety or depression, it's not like you can walk down the road and everyone goes, oh, he looks fine. You are present, you know, you are wearing it. I've gone through stages and I've had that awful, awful line. It was from um, an ex-job and I was off with depression, signed up by the doctor, and I was told, you don't look depressed. And what? I was like, they'd seen a photo on Instagram and I was smiling in it absolutely ridiculous (laughs) you know you know just posing for a smile with a quick you know for a quick photo does not 
show what I'm like yeah. at home while I'm having a panic attack or yeah. I'm suffering anxiety and depression. I think people mask it quite well. I yeah. think they can hide. Yeah, I think I think actually what I said I, I kind of take that back actually. You're not wearing it. That isn't that's not right. You, people can you, you can your best friend can have depression and maybe you won't know. Yeah. But I think it's when you 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 give off signs of it very yeah. easily if someone knows what to look for. I think perhaps that's and they the know thing. you well enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like I a change of behaviour or Yeah, exactly. So Matt, just going back to the um, your experience at the hospital where you called your mum after that, did you immediately seek help from a GP or did you start taking any medication or therapy or anything like that? What, what happened after that? So I have never taken any medication. Right, okay. Um, because, not because I've not needed it. I think it's because I've always felt kind of embarrassed by it and I've never wanted to truly like accept it. But I also want to try and find like natural remedies if I can, whether that's, you know, exercising more, reading more, learning, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so I've never gone down that path. But going back to after the hospital, I called my mum and then I went straight back to Winchester to my hometown. Didn't even go back to... Well, I went back to my house and packed a, a tiny like, bag of some clothes, got on the train straight to Winchester. And then the next day, I went and saw my GP and just explained to her what had happened and told her how I was feeling. And she didn't... She did, I don't think she even like mentioned prescribing any kind of drugs. She just signed me off work for two weeks... Um, and in those two weeks, she was expected to get over it and, and get those, back to work. Uh, yeah, and she was like, "If you still feel a bit crap at the end of these two weeks, let me know, and I'll, I'll sign you off for longer." And at the time, I was like, "All right, that seems like a, a fair many, enough." How many years ago is this? This is only three years ago. This is in September 2015. So not long ago. That sounds like quite a dated kind of response from a GP. Yeah. But do you know what? I probably played it down. I, I would imagine that I, I went in and I didn't pour my heart out and say that feel really bad I probably kind of went oh this happened and you know what can you do yeah I probably just said it was stress yeah. I can't really remember but you know looking back it's like wow I really should have been given some more options I suppose mm-hmm. and, and, and also taking it a bit more seriously myself but here's what happened after that is that I got signed off work for two weeks and then my anxiety continued to build and build and build. The thought of going back to work, the thought of going back to London was really, really affecting me. You know, almost as bad as, as I got when I had the, that initial attack, it kind of just started to build again. So in the end, I never went back to my job. I, my, my parents were having some work done at the house and so they took me and, and Mia came up. Mia was amazing throughout this, by the way. She uh, immediately got the train up from Cornwall, where she was living with Ava, um, came straight up to Winchester and was just there by my side. Um, so, so with the job, did you quit or did what happened? Yeah, I quit. I, I really burnt some bridges. I did it, didn't do it in a very good way because I, di- I just couldn't, I, didn't, I wasn't dealing with anything. And so I basically, I can't remember, I sent an email to the CEO who was a really good friend of mine and it was this like robotic monotonous email what where did you I was, say do you remember I can't remember I was just like I think were I you, were you honest about what was going on I think I think I was pretty honest about yeah. it because I had to give some yeah. kind of reason but also I was still trying to hide from my I guess from some responsibilities because I just wanted to get away from everything so I so yeah I ended up after that just moving straight down to Cornwall with me like left <laughs> London got on a train with Mia down to, to Falmouth and lived there for the next two and a half years and do things improve down there away yeah. from away from london and... yeah definitely okay. you know stepping away from london being by the sea 
um, stepping away just from that real toxic situation I got myself into was the best thing I possibly could have done. But did the anxiety and depression and panic attacks like remain or were you clear for a while? I was clear for a while because I was just taking it easy. Mm-hmm. But it started to get bad again pretty quickly, especially my anxiety. Do you know what, what triggered that? Um, I think just stress. I put a lot of pressure on myself because I want to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to support my family. I, I, you know, I have this idea in my head of what I, I should be. And I suppose it's what I should be as a man. And it's to be successful, to have a nice house, to have mm-hmm. a nice car, to give my kids great education. la di da di da di da di da And... I always get hung up on that. So if things start becoming overwhelming with work, then I get very stressed out very easily, which then leads to anxiety. And then I start to bury myself in it and I stop replying to emails, you know, and it becomes this vicious circle again, where I stop servicing my clients properly because I'm stuck in my anxious head thinking I don't deserve to be where I am. And I don't feel like I can deal with the situation. And when you're at these points, what do you start doing to get yourself out of it again? Mm, Well, before I start getting myself out of it again, I probably start drinking more wine. Um, Mask it as a few glasses of an evening because I had a stressful day. Does Mia notice that? Does she notice that you start drinking more or do you just literally tell her that you're struggling? No, she she notices it. And she she will, like, voice concerns. Um, well, not not concerns because I'm I'm not an alcoholic, you know. But it's it's definitely a crutch, um, and maybe that is alcoholism. I don't know. Well, I, I, I think I spent most of my twenties pissed, you know, because I was yeah. just trying to mask it all with having a good time yeah. and just putting on a you know a brave face. So. I think I grew up with a quite severely alcoholic, depressive father. Okay. So my parents split up when I was really young, but my dad was always in my life, never around us. Like never living with us, but we he used to babysit us, and we used to you know see him, and he'd always be drunk. Like you know, I remember times being like. What age you about him? Well, f- probably from like eight right, upwards, okay. maybe even younger. And I remember, I just all I remember of my dad when I was a kid is him drunk, and I remember seeing vodka bottles and smelling it on him, and him. He was never aggressive. He was never hurtful towards us. He l- loves me and my sister more than anything in the world. But, you know, and that really affected me. Do you think it has shaped you now in your kind yeah. of... And well, the apple never falls far from the tree, does yeah, it? Yeah, of course. And I feel like I'm probably a prime example of someone who has fallen, but I've figured out that I don't need to follow that path and I can get out so of it. So you're conscious enough to realise that, you know... Yeah. You need to... I, once you start drinking, just to... I have the benefit of experiencing my father's situation which means that I can kind of see a bit more clearly and and find a way out so your relationship with your father what was that like through when you started becoming depressed we never we never discussed it and we still have never discussed it Um, I've always had a really like kind of like friendly relationship with my dad he's never been like a a role model to me or or he has like well, as an amazing musician, creatively, I really look up to him. But in terms of, like, you know, living a structured good life, obviously, I've never tried to follow his path. But we're, we're very much like friends. And when we hang out, it's only really at the pub. So we might be at his house for a bit, but it's always like, let's go to, let's the, go pub. to the pub. Yeah. Because we very, find... Very similar to the ratio with my dad. <laughs> yeah, we find common ground there. Yeah. And I'm friendly with his friends, and it just makes sense that we can... That's when we can kind of connect. Otherwise, it can be a bit awkward. 
basically a lack of a male role model in your life has definitely yeah some way shaped uh, how you are now almost entirely shaped the way i okay. am now but also in a good way that you kind of don't want to copy that you know it's yeah it shaped your mental health issues and drinking but yeah so you're you've got enough clarity to think not to go down that road yeah exactly i think when i was even now actually i always i get jealous of my friends when they're with their dads god i have exactly the same thing wow my um my father-in-law in fact is the most cuddly guy in the world right and i remember when i first went home to meet him and he gave me a hug and i was like oh my god i don't remember i can't actually remember having a hug with my own dad yeah yet. my father my well it was the future father all the time He's hugging me and like putting his son in a headlock and like you know all this kind of stuff like just having a bit of a play wrestle. Oh like, man, that's the what you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same. Like I, I vividly remember the first time I hugged my dad as like an adult. You know where it was actually like a, a meaningful hug. You know, growing up we never really yeah. did because it was a weird situation. And it was the most amazing feeling. Really? I can feel the warmth. It's so crazy, isn't it? I can, I can feel the warmth of it now. What was the occasion? Do you know why? Why you were? We, no, we were meeting outside the Eclipse, which is a pub in Winchester, and normally we'd shake hands but i was like fuck it i want to go in for a hug let's see what happens and i just i just opened my arms and he his eyes lit up and he just came in gave oh, me a hug nice and it changed it was a massive change and we hug every time we see each other now it's really nice something i still haven't done that <laughs> and i'm almost 40 but you know never mind um, you don't look it cheers for the listeners you want to see the thinning hair <laughs> so matt i just want to take you back when we were talking earlier about um you're not taking pills any, any medication or antidepressants and your coping strategies what what do you do when you notice it's you know you're having a bit of a an episode you mentioned that you do other things yeah um, you talk about reading and things like that well reading i'm terrible at reading i think i've probably read about three books in my entire life you I, said you, you said you like to read well i like to read the kids oh twitter <laughs> right that's not reading articles right instagram you know, captions instagram yeah. captions right. technically that is the process of reading yeah okay uh, <laughs> right not sure if that's the recommended kind of strategy if, if i said i like to read i would be a liar and i can't sure i can't you said do you like to read oh no no i probably did just trying to look a bit you know yeah. intelligent <laughs> cultured okay yeah do well do you know what i I find it really difficult, even though I can recognise when I'm starting to kind of go into a bit of a spiral, even though I know it's there, I find it difficult to actually try and approach it and reason with it and go, right, let's, let's get out of this. I have to go kind of go down the hole to a certain extent to in, or, in order to bring myself back up. Right, you let it, basically let it happen. Yeah, and, and I think I think you can stress yourself out more by not dealing with the problem sometimes there's a reason why we get into the states that we get into and it's something that triggers it and i think that the best way to cope with it is to figure out what that is and in order to do that you kind of have to go down the rabbit hole a bit and for some people that doesn't work because they go too far and it can affect them in all kinds of really bad ways for me i find now i find that if i can do that i can I can find the problem, I can grip onto it, and then I can start to take steps to pull myself back out. And then what are those steps to? Those steps are generally to firstly accept it, and then to try and take a step back from my day to day to um, go, right, here's the problem, here's what's causing it, I'm going to do something else to take my mind off it and to try and like skirt around it. So maybe I'm not always even um, like, 
fixing the problem. I'm probably there's probably a lot of avoidance there too. Okay. And then eventually it just passes or eventually it just passes and I suddenly come out of the other end feeling clarity and positivity. The the last one which was actually only a couple of weeks ago I think lasted for probably about four or five days um, and the interesting thing was that even though I was definitely in this like depressive anxious state I had the most like one of my best weeks professionally I was in London at, at like client meetings that went really well I was writing great pitches um, and everything was going really, really well in that sense and I think probably because it allowed me to detach myself from my, my like personal life and my mind it's probably a okay. lot of avoidance isn't it at least you're recognising it and you're yeah. not letting it get the better of you but here's the thing like I do, I do take, take measures to, to, to try and um, st- to, you know, to help me and a lot of the, like exercise going to the gym doing like hit classes you know you wake up at 6.30 in the morning and go I gotta go to the gym and do a hit class and that's horrendous but as soon as you finish that you feel amazing amazing. not just physically but it clears your mind Um, you feel positive because you've got all that serotonin and adrenaline rushing through your body and those are the moments when you then need to start taking positive steps while you're in that mindset react to that yeah you know if you if you leave it a day or even a few hours you can slowly go back down the rabbit hole whereas if you can latch onto it then there and then and maybe just do one thing write one thing down that you're grateful for maybe send that one email that you really didn't want to send or text that person you've been avoiding for a week get it done then suddenly it's so much easier Matt I think that's yeah really really good advice thank you so much for coming on Man Talk yeah thank you very much no Um, worries thank you for listening to Man Talk you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to ensure you catch all the latest episodes I hope you found this episode useful together we can normalise the conversation about men's mental health if you are suffering please consider reaching out to someone such as a friend, family member, GP or a charity such as Calm. Thanks again for listening and please take care.